Hello. Please let me see your ticket stubs for the double-edged double bill. Tonight's films feature sucker punches gone haywire. Each week, Adam Thomas and Thomas Mariani will come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then, both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 in order to seal their fates for the next episode. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Let the chaos begin. I am Adam Thomas. And I am Thomas Mariani. And we have a very special guest with us this evening. Um, She is a podcaster in her own right and a writer and a friend of mine. It is Sarah Sorrentino, Associate Editor of Talk Film Society. Sarah, welcome. Thank you. Hey, do you guys think that Thomas Thomas thing is funny? Did you do this on purpose? It's the entire point of our gimmick. Yeah. (laughs) That's all we have. That's it. Grasp it at straws here. That's good. (laughs) Thank you for (laughs) noticing. Good for you. You're welcome. (laughs) I like the double S's in your name. Yeah. That's cool, well, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Alliteration is all we have anymore <laughs> in this crazy world. But, uh, Sarah, you're our guest for the evening with our topic about uh, female-led action films. And I gave you a list of topics, and you decided on this one. And aside from the obvious fact that you are an action hero, like, you're built like Gina Carano, obviously. You guys can't see it, but it's incredibly intimidating. Um wh- <laughs> Exactly. Uh, why uh, female-led action films? Why'd you want to come on for this one? I'm going to be honest. Thomas, I was worried that you were going to get a guy for this. And I, I was like, wait, we really need to get a girl in here. You gave me an options. I'm going to go ahead and get in on this while I still can. But also just the fact that I like action films. I watch a lot of like shoot 'em ups and stuff like that. Probably my favorite is Rock and Rolla and uh, Smoke and Aces. And I don't watch that many female-led action films. So this was a good chance for me to watch two female-led action films that I thought I had seen Haywire before. Ooh, was I not supposed to say? Uh, you've ruined the entire <laughs> bit now. It's Did fine. I ruin it? Oh, God. <laughs> We're five uh, seconds and you ruined everything. <laughs> turn it off. I thought I had seen one of the films before, but I had not. Which as much one? As was I that thought. Haywire? You thought you saw Haywire before? <laughs> 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 oh, God. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> we said the titles at the beginning of the show. Oh, I'm not good at other people's podcasts. I just rant on my own so I can say whatever. And then if I do it wrong, I just edit it out. It's so much easier. <laughs> um, I, two films I hadn't actually seen before, and I, you guys made me watch. <laughs> so I feel pretty good about this. I'm pretty excited to talk about it. Doing female-led action films in honor of when this is coming out, it'll be the week of Captain Marvel coming to theaters. And uh, we're doing, in honor of this, uh, our good pick, which was Adam's choice, Haywire, the Steven Soderbergh film from 2012. And then my choice, uh, which was the 2011 film from Zack Snyder, Sucker Punch. Thanks for that. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into all of that in a bit, um, but... I mean, Adam, you can also agree that, like, it's unfortunately in short supply, these female-led action films, and it's it's good to have one come out there with, like, Captain Marvel and even these other ones, even if some of them aren't great. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think they're more or less in short supply when it comes to one central female character, because when I was looking up ideas for movies, you know, it's female-led action films, a lot of them were, like, ensemble pieces, where it just happened to have a female character in it. But as far as having, yeah, a straight action film with only a kick-ass female lead, kind of few and far in between. Right, and whenever one does come up in one of those supporting cast ones, it sort of becomes the type in a famous movie. Like, how many freaking Vasquez's did we get after Aliens? Oh my god. Like, we're still wait. getting Ripley's. <laughs> yeah, we're still st- getting Ripley's. But uh, let's go ahead and get into our films then. Let's first start off with Steven Soderbergh's Haywire. You got a car? And the Barcelona deal went down fix it you can tell me right now why you sold me out or you can tell me when i have my hands around your throat 
this January. Should I be nervous? I'll let you know. Finding the truth. She was a Marine. She does something. There must be a reason for it. Will be her most dangerous mission. What did you do? I did what I was contracted to do. But isn't there someone you should be calling to bring help? Haywire. You better run. So, Haywire uh, came out January 20th, 2012, from, as we mentioned, director Steven Soderbergh, uh, stars Gina Carano. What I really like about just Haywire in general is just the fact that it kind of feels like the script for a shitty straight-to-video action movie, just done by Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's had this theory before, but I've got some theories about this movie. Well, go ahead. You have the floor. Okay. This is a Bond movie. This is Soderbergh's like, I'm going to do a James Bond movie real quick. And he's like, I'm going to cast a bunch of famous, attractive men. And she's going to kill them. It's wonderful. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I I can't disagree. I throw it more maybe along like a a Bourne movie than a straight Bond movie. um, Just because of the renegade. Like, You know why I say Bond? Why I'm saying Bond, though, it's the music. Which I found incredibly jarring. <laughs> but it's on purpose. I, it is very yeah. jarring, though. And that's why I, I usually... I'm not very good at noticing movie soundtracks. Never have been. I'm not going to pretend to under, like to know composers and stuff like that. There's other people in the film community who know so much more about that than me. But the fact that it's jarring enough that I paid attention and I was like, why is James Bond music playing right now? Oh, He's doing this on purpose. And then even the, I mean, the Barcelona scenes with the no talking, weird stylized editing. Like, he's just really wants to make a James Bond film right now and just have a female lead. And I've been saying, I'm going to be one of, I'm always one of those people that I'm like, do we really need a James Bond again? Do we need another James Bond? Can we just do something entirely different? Can we just throw a girl in there or something? I didn't know that that this was what I was waiting for. I've only been, what, eight years? Seven years behind? I definitely feel like his spin on that. He's been doing this for like the last 20 years or so, since like an out of sight, where he takes like genre pictures and he just does his own sort of minimalized, a lot more intimate version of it. Well, you mentioned the music. I think that really works, especially when most of the fight scenes don't have any music. Yeah. yeah no, I agree. Yeah. It, I think that's why I thought I had seen this before, though, because I remember people talking about this film when it came out. I think I went out of my way to watch some of the fight scenes and I misled myself into thinking I'd actually seen the movie. All of those choreography scenes are amazing to me. Yeah, definitely. We'll discuss the fight choreography a lot more. But um, Adam, why don't you go ahead? This was your pick. So why don't you go ahead? Why did you decide to pick Haywire? Like we talked about already, there's not a lot of strong female lead action movies where it is just centered on a female and this is like one of the last good ones that i can remember so i definitely wanted to pick a more recent one for this plus you know just even though not to say that she's an acting force but you know where gina carano's got her start and just the stacked cast and i mean the camera work in this too is is quite fantastic yeah the fight choreography and everything else it it just works uh, for them for the most Heart. Yeah, like I said, the music and then Thomas, what we were talking about pre-show. It, it's, but still, I think it, it's a breeze to get through. It's an hour and thirty minutes or hour and thirty-seven minutes or whatever. So it's not like it's a huge chore. And I, I just think it's a decent small action movie. I mean, it's more than decent if you compare it to how many action movies men get to be central of. And I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Expendables. Like every single person in Expendables has had twenty movies that are like this, but shittier. <laughs> and, oh, no, I am not. I don't disagree with you. Yeah, no, it's what not, I'm saying I, mean, it's I actually kind of like that a female-led action movie is to this quality, where mm-hmm. it's not a Resident Evil or, you know, like we said earlier, a Vasquez or Ripley clone. It's some new character, original character. Well, original might be pushing it, but it's a new character, a new you know, story, this, this stacked cast all built around this female lead. So I think that's that's why I picked it. I would be happy to have like a kind of a campier Jean-Claude Van Damme like action hero that's a female though. I'd be exceptionally they, happy to see just a bunch of straight to video female led action. Those films. are out there. Those are out there. They're not that you can find those definitely. I would um, I, I would but, recommend a Cynthia Rothrock I was her just filmography. <laughs> Fuck you, Thomas. That's what I was going for. Just, just real quick though, is she is she highly sexualized? 
kind of. Depends on the movie. <laughs> could it be? Could it be a softcore porn? Be honest with me. No, no, no. They were not. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then I might be interested. Yeah. I not that I have anything I against softcore porn. I just, you know, if <laughs> I want to watch an action film, I maybe don't want to watch a softcore porn. I, I, I want to keep it separate, guys. That's all well, I'm she asking. Was an ass kicker. Cynthia Rothrock was an ass kicker. I would definitely recommend maybe those. Imagine like a Chuck Norris movie. But yeah. with, with like a solid female lead in it, she she had like a, a lot. She had a big run in the nineties, especially of those kind of directed video. They're very fun, schlocky movies. Is she um, is she built like an action star? Yes. Yes. Okay. She's okay, like a guys. Golden Gloves champion or something. That's what she was. Yeah. Nice. Uh, but back to Haywire. Um, I I will say, <laughs> um, I I do agree that like I like Gina Carano in this part. I just think what you were referring to, what we talked about off mic before mm-hmm. Sarah got on, uh, was that the weird sort of choice to f- change her voice. I think is it kind of bothered me when I first saw this in the theater. I was like, her voice sounds odd, and I found out they changed it, manipulated it in the sound post. But then, especially this watch, it's just like, you can clearly tell she's mixed in a weird way, mm-hmm. where it's like any scene where she's like talking to somebody directly, it's just, she sounds completely like she's in a different room <laughs> entirely. And it's it's so weird, and I, apparently it was because, Gina Caron did like an interview that I listened to, where she said, oh, it was basically for, because she was an MMA fighter before this, she wanted to kind of differentiate herself from her character that she has an MMA fighter, but I think in practice it's just kind of an odd choice. I don't know, did that bother you at all, Sarah? It's a little sexist, to be honest. There may be, like she said, a better reason behind it, but, like, read that, I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Why does she have to be have a deeper voice to be taken seriously as a, as a badass? The only thing I could even maybe come up with because when she does talk because i did the same thing i went and listened to a bunch of interviews i'm like what what is the deal i don't understand she does have a bit of like almost like a surfer accent and that's the only thing i can think of to what maybe they didn't think that would vibe but that that never stopped keanu though to me it'd make the character even more relatable it'd make her more real than just this robotic deep-voiced I don't understand the choice there at all. And plus what I think works is that you don't necessarily need that for her to be relatable at all. Because I like the fact that she does have like down and dirty moments where she is actually hurt and she is like vulnerable. Like obviously there's the bit with like her and the kid from Sky High, which I completely forgot that was the kid <laughs> from fucking Sky High <laughs> until I was watching this again. Um, where this he's... is a sequel to Sky High. Exactly. He's a sidekick. This, <laughs> this should have ended with like an, um, uh, a split Unbreakable style thing. Oh him at a God. freaking cafe, they call him Mister Sky High. Uh, <laughs> her getting her arm fixed by that guy, or also the the action sequence of the movie for me, where she's doing the whole like oh jumping on rooftops bit, and she fucking falls. That hurts to watch. Where she just like freaking hits the freaking like dumpster on the way down and stuff. It's more bad as that she gets up after moments like that. Well, it's kind of like the John Wick thing. Like John Wick does get hurt. He's not invulnerable. And you see the moments where he's, like, trying to patch himself up. It's just the fact that he keeps on going that makes it badass. What I like about her, and even, like, you related to the John Wick character and everything like that, is they show the damage, too. Mm-hmm. Like, when after that fall, when she gets up and she's hanging in that little carport, like, she's hurt, man. Like, pr- probably a busted rib or two at least. I mean, because she hit fucking hard. But it's just the perseverance and the training and the skill and, you know, the purpose or whatever just makes her keep going. And, yeah, it makes her just an ultimate badass. This is a good example, though, because even though she is trying, she is kind of playing like a spy-like character, she is a fighter first. Whereas a lot of female-led action films are spy first, fighter later. And I'm thinking kind of, um, what was the one, Atomic Blonde? kind of comes off that way just a little bit and uh red sparrow is that what the one where jennifer lawrence was trying to play black Uh, widow they think female-led action film needs to be like a spy sleuth first or and i'm really saying sexy first before being able to fight right i i can agree with that and i think that works here where she there's she's a bit more the only stages where she really feels awkward is kind of with like the michael fassbender like actual espionage element of it because she is more of a fighter first that's the only time she kind of feels out of her element but even then she still is confident and she still kind of works her way around that but we also have to talk about that fight scene with michael fassbender is so fucking great and she especially when she gets throws him through the glass 
It, oh no, she straight up fucking like kicks Spartan kicks him in the chest through the glass. <laughs> I mean, it, it looks like a fucking semi truck hitting a pile of concrete. She kicks the shit out of his chest. <laughs> I also love when she has the like scissor uh, legs around his neck, and he looks like Ben Mendelsohn. Like, the more she squeezes, he becomes more like Ben Mendelsohn. I just love, yeah, when she's got him in the triangle. And I love that then she starts, like, she relaxes and starts doing her deep breathing. Everything just to, like, calm herself and stay focused. It's like, God, she is honestly one of the baddest people I've seen on screen in the last, you know, ten years. I want her to do more. Like, I would be, like, again, she should definitely be doing more of this. But, you know, she kind of fell off and then she went over and did uh, Deadpool. I liked mm-hmm. her in Deadpool. I know she wasn't that big of a role, but no, I really like her. I, I think people will put down the fact that you know, she's not that great of an actress, but I wanted her to be Wonder Woman, which was funny when they called her Wonder Woman in the film. But right. back when they were casting for Wonder Woman, I was 100% on for her. And I was like, yes, that's what I want Wonder Woman to look like. Sturdy. Not a model. God forbid. <laughs> Right. Other movies just have a problem of, like, they do want to kind of put her in, like, the Vasquez role. Because she had that in, like, I believe it was the sixth Fast and Furious movie. She's there's, like, a henchwoman, and she's barely utilized at all, which is such a shame. She should be on the level of, like, maybe not quite The Rock and Jason Statham, but at least a round of, like, a Vin Diesel. Like, I would love to see a growl-off between her and Vin Diesel at some point. I think they could match up with each other perfectly in that regard. I just... I, I think just people, unfortunately feel kind of intimidated with using a woman who has that much power at a certain point. It's an, I think it's really unfortunate that they kind of have sidelined her to sort of, even in Deadpool, she kind of had like a henchman role. And I, yeah. I wish she had a bit more, at least to be, you know, uh, some like, even like Batista level in, I think, like Spectre. She would be a great like Bond secondary villain as well. Literally ju- what I just yeah, was thinking work, though. Yeah. I was thinking about her going in like the steps of Batista. And I'm like, yeah, she could be doing the same thing, like going for bigger and bigger roles where she does have scenes where she action, but there's actually some acting to it. But I don't know. Maybe she doesn't want to go that route. Maybe. I mean, but she's she's still trying it, but she's just getting just lousy, lousy roles. I know she's going to be in The Mandalorian for at least one episode, the new Star Wars show. But other than that, I mean, it's a couple direct-to-DVD action movies. Do do people even say direct to DVD anymore? I don't even know. They still say direct to video, coming from a direct to video podcast. <laughs> Wait for the plucks. Um. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, if you go to Blockbuster, I mean, that's all you see is her movies nowadays. Blockbuster. Oh, uh, Adam, we have to uh, sit down. Uh, oh no! <laughs> oh no! What's, what year is it? <laughs> oh, as long as Lyndon B. Johnson is president, still. I'll be right. Oh no! Uh, but you know, spe- speaking of uh, beefy folks, I'll also say among to get to the supporting cast, this was probably the earliest example for me of Channing Tatum actually showing off his prowess as an actor. I would say, because this is right before 21 Jump Street, and this was the first time I remember seeing Chain Tim, like, oh, he actually is more than just a beefcake. He feels like he has a lot more sort of earnestness in this part that I necessarily anticipate. And I think that's kind of baked into his role in the movie, is that people just kind of treat him as, like, you know, a dog to, like, go out and do their bidding. And then later on, especially when he's faced off against Ewan McGregor in the climax of the movie, I was like, wow, Channing has a bit more to him than I expected. I wasn't all that impressed. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I remember when I saw the trailer too. I was like, "Is that is that the guy from Step Up?" Like I didn't even really know his name yet. Do you so think like, yeah. that Channing Tatum is ever going to make that Gambit movie? No, absolutely. <laughs> I really, really don't. Whenever New Mutants huh? comes out, he'll make that movie. <laughs> Whenever um, Dark Phoenix comes out, even uh, though a trailer literally just came out, I'm still like, no, that's yeah. not coming out. Well, I'm hoping. Yeah, one thing, too, I want to address Ewan McGregor. Can he just have his fucking accent, please? Can, yeah. Can, I mean, he's just... Why can't he be Scottish? Yeah, he's not good at not being Scottish. No, it's <laughs> not at all. He's just kind of mousy and sad when he's not Scottish. <laughs> In no way intimidating at all. You know who also wasn't very intimidating? Fassbender was, like, really meek-looking. And I, I'm so used to him being just really buff and mostly naked that I was just kind of like, what's going on, man? 
you look really like British right now. And I wasn't surprised when she kicked his ass and killed him. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's kind of the point though, with some of these guys is yeah. they, they're, they're kind of meant to be sort of these weasley, especially I think that's what I love about Ian McGregor's performance in this movie is he feels like a slimy piece of shit who's barely yeah. hiding it. I think that that's what really works about him. And also um, Banderas. I love that Banderas looks just like, Hey, I just came back from a vacation. Steven, you want to do a movie? Sure. I'll do it. Hey, <laughs> Steven, you can shoot while I'm on vacation for the end scene, basically. <laughs> right. I am still impressed, though, by this whole cast. Like, I'm just like, I forgot how many great actors were in this for her to beat up, and I was just so happy afterwards. We almost had a problem. It was almost Dennis Quaid. Oh, um, yeah. And, and I would have been really upset and couldn't have watched it. <laughs> for those unaware, Adam has a problem with Dennis Quaid. Huge. For no reason. <laughs> for whatever like, reason. <laughs> <laughs> for no reason for nothing he's never done, i mean he's never personally done anything to me it's not like you you know but yeah i don't like it, the fucking guy and we got bill paxton instead which i was a bit sad just seeing it. like this is one of yeah, his last movies problem. i think yeah it was one of his last ones but i like the sort of dynamic they both have it's just like a um father-daughter relationship it definitely feels just like he basically threw her out into the woods to see what she could do at some young age <laughs> it feels like i almost want like the prequel movie of like them training with each other basically i like the it's fact called that hannah well, that's true. We all, which we almost did for the show was our other choice. I, I also like the fact that he's basically like discount Tom Clancy. Yeah, he's like his right. actual yeah, character. Yeah. I I think that really works. Um, but you know, I also like there's a lot more of the. We should talk a bit more about like the fight sequences because I think especially the the start of this movie with her and Jenny Tatum fighting is such a badass way to start this movie because it's a lot more calm. It's quiet. It almost feels like sh- they're entering like the diner from Twin Peaks. And it's all wholesome. And then he just goes fucking buck wild on her with, like, the coffee. And from there, it's just such a violent and down-to-earth style fight. Where, especially, like we said, no music at all. And you just hear every single punch and crack of bone and all this other stuff. And it really is a great way to kick this movie off. Just very quiet, innocent, and then immediately into that sequence. I love that. What are some of the other better fight sequences in here for you guys? I just like it when she strangles people with her legs. That's really cool. I'm into that. Um, I liked her chasing down uh, the guy in Barcelona. You usually don't see chase scenes so realistic to the fact that she has to control her breathing while she's doing it. You can feel how long they're running. And then when she finally gets to him, she just throws like a, you know, like a saucer at him. That was cool. But those moves that she does, like those, honestly, I think of Black Widow and the fact that that's the kind of choreography I would like if and when a Black Widow film happens. Close quarters combat, which you do see from Black Widow in, in some, you know, in Avengers and stuff like that. Iron Man 2 is the first time, right? Yes. Yeah. That's that's kind of what I want. So if we can get that happening, I might actually want to see Scarlett Johansson play Black Widow again. I dug the... Uh... One, the bathroom scene where Bill Paxton's watching, because it's almost like he's watching what she's become when she kills the guy. And just the look of shock on his face, where he's like, oh, fuck. That's the one fight scene where they actually use music. Yeah, but, well, I liked the other ones that they already mentioned. Uh, but I, I really also liked the part where Ewan McGregor's on the beach, and she just runs up like a fucking freight train on him. Out of nowhere, just to the side of the screen, you just see her running up, and she just tackles the shit out of him. I laughed so hard when she ran up like that. I thought it was so goofy. (laughs) Actually, a lot of that choreography is a little bit goofy. Like him um, throwing away the gun. Yes. And him like falling and getting his leg trapped in what looks like something he could not get his leg trapped in between the two rocks. I'm like, "Eh, I don't know about that. It was a little silly at that point, but I still loved it. I, I was like, yes, drown that bitch. I mean, you you could have replaced the two of them with like Lonely Island people, and it could be an SNL digital short. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's certain points where it almost feels like that. It's almost like a parody of these action movies, and even the factor of like him getting stuck on the shore as he's and left to drown, even kind of feels like it almost could be a bit. But still, at the same time, it still is very visceral. Which, which to bring up that point where she just leaves him to drown, I don't I don't know that that her character would do that. I think she would make sure he's dead. To be honest. You gotta leave something open for Haywire 2. Wired. Yeah. Adam, right. Haywire 2, Electric Boogaloo. Exactly. That that was okay. Honestly, as soon as she was done, like, protecting her father, I was like, okay, this could basically end, but we're gonna keep it going for another, what, 15 minutes? 
to tie up the loose ends. And then as soon as it went to Antonio Banderas, I was like, oh, sh- uh, he's just going to get shot like really quickly because we only have like three minutes left. So headshot him. But that's such a great ending, though. <laughs> him just turning and saying shit is the perfect ending for this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's such a great final bit. Uh, especially, and I, I love that shot, too, of where like his girlfriend goes over to answer the door and she gets her ass kicked in the background and we just hear most of it. Yeah, it's real out of focus. Yeah, Yeah. that was cool. And Tony was just, like, fucking around, like, oh, yeah, just drinking, (laughs) doing bullshit. Um, I I like all that. I think we should also, to segue with that, I I also really love how Soderbergh directs a lot of these movies, where it is, as we mentioned, it's kind of, like, it's very sort of uh, stripped of any of, like, huge artifice, except for, like, he'll add one sort of major element, like, the way that certain scenes are lit. He'll make it, like, either, like, a very dark blue during the climax, or he actually used, like, a sort of sepia-tone yellow thing for a lot of Yeah, this. just like Magic Mike. The man yep. is addicted to sepia yellow. <laughs> you have He's a problem, addicted. Stephen. <laughs> I watched the trailer with my boyfriend because I wanted to see if he knew about the movie before, and I'm like, guess who directed this? The same guy who directed the other yellow movie we watched, Magic Mike. <laughs> it was, like, no surprise. <laughs> it's like it, he's like the JJ Abrams of like lens flare but with you know yellow it's sepia tones. Yeah. Yeah, watch watch was it Unsane or whatever? Mhm. Shot on iPhone, still yellow. Like they actually <laughs> just used the sepia tone filter. <laughs> he loves it. I'm going to write It'll, a paper. Uh, he's crazy about it. <laughs> I bet his the inside of his house is so drab and boring. Just <laughs> a bunch of muted yellows. Um, but I still think that works, especially, like, I think an underrated aspect of this movie is that whole thing where they're planning out about how they're going to do the Barcelona job, and it's a lot of moments of just, like, them staring at monitors, or them just studying footage and shit like that. I, I love when Steven Soderbergh does that, because it just makes, once again, this thing that could be an overblown, over-the-top sort of action beat montage feel a lot more procedural, a lot more like they actually have to put work into this before they go and guns a-blazing. I, I think that makes it a lot more intimate and a lot more interesting, especially just Chang Tatum kind of, like, looking around bored <laughs> at one point, just like, oh, fuck, I gotta, like, look at this footage again. <laughs> I think that that's such a, does a great job of, like, actually getting you to be a bit more invested in the characters. It's definitely <laughs> realistic, which is nice, sort of. It's not my most exciting moment of watching the movie. I can hardly remember those scenes, to be honest with you. No, I, I you're right, and I, I tend to agree with you, Sarah. I, my thing is, out of all the scenes that I wish there was dialogue, there's no dialogue. There's, like, scenes with no dialogue when they're actually sort of explaining it or getting into it. I mean, mainly you could have gone full Ocean's Eleven, which, obviously, those are his biggest successful movies for a reason, because they follow more of, like, the tropes of, like, the heist movie with that. Uh, versus, I, I kind of like, because in more of those scenes, you would get, like, expositionally dialogue that we don't really need, necessarily. I think it means more that it's just, like, these people are kind of, like, have day-to-day aspects of this job that would normally just be, you know, very quick cuts to, like, exposition dialogue and then some big fight sequence happening. So I kind of like that you, we get more of, like, the minutiae day-to-day. We do get a lot of exposition, though. Especially, I mean, like, she's telling her story. I think that's most apparent when she's, you know, making him name back the the names of everyone she spoke about and everything like that. The, the guy to sky high kid um or, or any scene with michael douglas michael douglas is an exposition machine in this movie yeah I, and i was almost you know a little annoyed by it but um i feel like that really kind of falls away which is nice obviously it needs to be exposition heavy to get you caught up with what the hell was going on because she's just you know beating people up in diners but i guess let's go into our final thoughts because we have a whole nother film to talk about a lot uh, and a bit, uh, uh, but Sarah, as our guest, go first. Uh, your final thoughts on Haywire? Haywire is fucking good. Yeah, I really like it. I think it's a like prime example of what a female-led action film should be and could be. Um, it's not a perfect film. I mean, there's reasons why it's sometimes a little bit campy, but uh, I like that part of it. So I'm surprised that it's 2019 and we're not getting more of this. Adam. Yeah, I pretty much agree with her. I, I think it's a, just a fun action movie. I, I'm really surprised that this didn't make Gina Carano you know, a bigger star, or at least potentially lead to her becoming a bigger star. I, I'm just very curious as to what exactly is the thought process behind that and the changing of her voice and everything else. But I do think this is also one that not a lot of people have seen. I mean, the marketing for this, I remember the previews coming out being everywhere. 
I mean, and wanting to see it from the previews, like, who, who is this kicking all these guys' asses? But then it just kind of went away. And then it was very quickly in bargain bins and on all the free streaming services and everything like that. I mean, that's how I watched it today. It's on a free streaming service. It's a good action movie. I think it came out too early. Yeah, I think so. Maybe rid the, uh, maybe start rid the Wonder Woman hype and stuff like that. It might have led to maybe something more. Well, and also if it didn't probably come out in January where people were just like, oh, it's some stupid, like really bad yeah, movie stuff in nobody, January. Yeah, nobody goes to the show in January. Yeah, unless it's unfortunately some like a you know a Liam Neeson movie where they're just like, oh, we can go behind him because he does like these Taken style movies. Well, at least they used to. Right. Yeah. Well, given uh, certain recent events, but anyway, uh, I I also really dig Haywire. It's not like my favorite of Soderbergh. It's definitely slight Soderbergh, but it still fits in like his aesthetic thing that I really dig about just like making genre exercises that are a lot more intimate and kind of throw away most of the artifice except for his occasional artifice that comes in. And I think most of the cast is pretty good. Gina Carano, I do agree. I wish was more of a star, especially these kind of action movies, and. Yeah, I think if you did not give it a chance at the time when it came out, um, definitely give it a chance now. Like like Adam mentioned, it's on a bunch of free streaming services. You'll find it, most likely. Speaking of movies maybe you didn't see, but maybe for better reasons, uh, let's go into our second film, Sucker Punch. You are safe. What you're imagining right now, that place can be as real as any pain. Your fight for survival starts right now. I'm gonna escape from here. If Blue finds out we're dead, we're already dead. This is your journey. If you succeed, it will set you free. Why'd you guys make me watch this? Be honest. <laughs> and speaking of camera filters. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, I'll, I'll guess I'll field the question since this was my pick. Sucker Punch, which uh, came out March 25th, 2011, from auteur Zack Snyder. Um, uh, I, I picked this because... I, I, I think it's a good sort of anti-example, especially with, like, Haywire. I think it's interesting because Haywire, like I mentioned, has so little artifice. Has It's very much, like, down to the nitty-gritty about what an action movie can be starring a female lead. Versus here, um, Zack Snyder made a very lavish, over-budget, um, sort of blank-check dream project of sorts that he'd been thinking of for years. And he, it wants to disguise itself as a female empowerment movie, but is so much more fetishy. Oh, it, this is a teenage boy's, like, masturbation fantasy. Yeah. That's, that's what this movie is, but, but 100%. With, and with even more sort of, like, sexual assault violence, where they're just like, it's an empowerment thing, because she's able to get past this. It's like, no, you're, you're still, no. like, completely robbing her of any agency in the reality of what's going on. Yeah, it's still pretty awful. Yeah. yeah. It's still uh, pretty shitty. So, Sarah, you uh, mentioned to me this is the first time you'd seen this, um... And you had a great time, right? How much do you love it? I think we got to take it back to my relationship with Zack Snyder. Um, I don't like him. <laughs> uh, Watchmen was the first R-rated film I went to see by myself in the theater. I had just turned 18, and I was very excited. And uh, I, this is already going to cause issues, but I don't even like that. Like, if if we're talking about like his probably one of his best of his films. I dislike Watchmen. I kind of am okay with 300. Don't tell anybody. I, but I was just, I knew what this was. I had an idea. I knew this was like Ed Hardy meets like hot topic douchebag inception, but I still seeing it and having to sit through this just made me just miserable. It was so long. <laughs> it's so long. It's draining. It just drains your life force with yeah, its stupidity. <laughs> if it's any sort of comfort, your opinion on Watchmen is not unique. A lot of people don't like Watchmen. Yeah, it's yeah. a very love it or hate it kind of thing. Yeah, I never watch his whatever director's cut. What's up with Snyder? Why can't he just put out a movie the first time and then get it right? Why does he have to like release the edit? What's up with him? Well, I think it's because like obviously another one of his influences is Ridley Scott. 
and I'm sure he Ugh. has like such an attachment to like. Oh, but it's it's like if someone was a fan of Ridley Scott, but only of like the Apple 1984 ad, <laughs> like that's his favorite Ridley Scott movie is that fucking Apple ad, um, as opposed to any of the other movies that he's done. And I think, especially the case where for those of you who don't know, this had an extended a cut that was released later. Um, I haven't seen the full cut. I've seen some of those deleted scenes. If you told me on paper, like, hey, there's a scene that was deleted from this movie with Oscar Isaac singing, I'd be like, I would love to see Oscar Isaac sing. Uh, it's not good. Him and Carlo Gugino do a duet that's terrible. Also, though, at the same time, I would argue that Oscar Isaac is one of the few kind of fun things about this movie. He's, I mean, at least he's trying. I didn't think he was, like, fun in this movie until maybe the second half when he starts killing people. I was like, or, you know, near the end. I was like, ooh, this is fun. He's murdering people. I'm, I'm more excited. But that's maybe because I hated all the other characters. No, that's, I mean, that's fair. Uh, well, the bone was in this, guys. Why? For no reason. <laughs> why was he in this? Would have been anybody. Oh, this fucking movie. <laughs> I mean... It is. I. I. I don't think we've stated enough. This movie is so long, and so boring. It's a movie that feature scantily clad women using like high tech weaponry against steampunk Nazi zombies, and you're like, I don't care. Just keep going. Like I don't care. I don't care about anything in this movie. There is not one thing. The best part of this movie is the lobotomy. Because you know it's like over. It's done. <laughs> Stop taking your time. Just hammer it on in there. Grab a little handheld sledge and just go to town. It, it's just... Uh, I mean, Oscar... And by the way, Oscar Isaac, when he's in the dream world, he's just Gomez Adams. He just looks like <laughs> Gomez Adams. I'm actually watching the original Adams Family show right now for the first <laughs> time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's all he yeah. ever is. I d- that's true. The, the the fact that they have not made a live-action Adams film with him. Well, he's doing Gomez, the voice in an animated It's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I mean, how young does Emily Browning look? It's almost disturbing. Put her in, like, the little, you know, schoolgirl slash baby doll slash sailor outfit. And you're like, dude, I... This is just making me feel What's sick. up with Emily Browning, too? Because between, you know, she did Unfortunate Events, and she was so wholesome. And then she was like, hey, let me do this movie. Let me do, like, what, Sleeping Beauty, where I'm just, yeah. like, sleeping? Yeah, and I'm naked the whole movie, and old men, like, molest me. Great. Yeah. Okay, oh, Emily. Yeah, let's do that. Now I'm American Gods, where I'm naked the whole show, but a corpse. Oh, good. Thanks, Emily. You're doing <laughs> I mean, a great job. Interesting decisions, I guess, but it's just... God... <laughs> well, I, well, I think it's just a problem with like with her casting. Like, you know, she has sort of like a unfortunately a fragile sort of China doll style aesthetic to her, and that's all people really want to use her as at the same time. I think that's such a problem. That's why I think oh. American Gods is actually one of the better examples because she actually gets to be a character, even when she is a corpse. She actually is at least gets gets to be like a more three dimensional interesting character i would argue versus and like some of these other things she's treated as such an object especially here that's the case where she's kind of the protagonist except wait guys it's not her story as we find out the fact that she is supposedly at first the main character but she doesn't have a name and she doesn't have a voice she hardly says anything and then it switches i was like not impressed by that twist i was like yeah i could tell she sucks (laughs) like i didn't care like it was so refreshing to see Haywire because there was no, hey, this woman was sexually abused and that's why she's buff. <laughs> or, like, that's why she's strong and able to do that's things. A good point, yeah. Whereas this was, like, the complete opposite. It's like, they're sexually abused, so they can mentally try to fight their way out of it. But they can't do anything in real life. I guess it was in real life. That's a, the other twist. As they walk her through the fucking hallway, they're like, she actually did all these things. Aren't you impressed? No, not impressed. Because <laughs> it's like, it's this weird three levels deep where it's like, there's the level where she goes into the asylum. Then there's the level of, oh, she is has this fantasy of herself being in this, like, Moulin Rouge weird, like, sex club slash, like, dance auditorium. And then there's <laughs> the other... Right, burlesque. Yeah, it's burlesque starring Cher. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, and then... Um, I would have been so much happier, Thomas. 
Oh, Why oh, didn't we watch burlesque? Look, I would have had more fun to tooches in it. It has the tooch. I'm, I'm way yeah. more interested in that. Uh, <laughs> but then there's also the other layer of all these action sequences that are supposed to be like fun and badass. But my biggest problem, especially with those action sequences, is just I remember distinctly when I watched this the first time. It was my freshman year of college, the first summer I had in college, and my roommate came in while I was watching it on like our at the time modern HD TV, and he was like, "Oh, what is this sucker punch?" He's like. I can't see anything. <laughs> like, you, it's so muddy. It's mm-hmm. so ugly. Everything is so, just like, you can barely tell what's going on. And even if you can, like, I turned the brightness up specifically for this reason on my laptop when I watched it. It's like, I can see what's going on better, but I don't care. Like, I've seen, I was telling Adam before the show started, I read, like, the first couple paragraphs of an elaborate Zack Snyder stands defense of this where it's like actually it references Hindu culture with how it's three levels deep and I'm like this is oh like th- sh- if you want to have those interpretations sure but also I don't give a shit enough to be invested to hear that interpretation when this is so just like flat and ugly and boring on a visual level so who gives a shit <laughs> agree I, if you're going to interject something like Hinduism spiritual levels and, and the, you know, certain belief systems in your movie and stuff. Ah, it's totally great. Just fucking do it. <laughs> like, like, that's the thing. Ah, it's in there if you look. Well, where? Like, I, you, which I don't mind, you know, subtlety or reading between the lines on things, but if that's in there, where'd you hide it? Under the fucking, like, laser train and the robots? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know exactly what movie you were trying to make. He knows exactly what he made. It was a lot all... of young men will always go out of their way to create things like that to defend movies like this. I mean, I think a lot of young auteurs do that. Period. I mean, men sure more so, fine. But I think a lot of young artists go out of their way to defend their artwork and try to make it seem deeper than what it is. Period. But it's weird when it's not your artwork that you're defending. They're like going out of their way to defend. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Well, that is because, like I said before, I mean, it's a it's a masturbation fantasy movie. That's all. That's why they're defending it. They're defending their dirty little movie. I have a line from a letterbox review to read. Oh, please, go ahead. A a dramatic reading for the evening. (laughs) First of all, this is from Graham J. It's one of the top reviews for this film on letterbox. I'm just going to read the first line. Watching Sucker Punch is like watching a friend you don't really like play a video game for two hours. Yeah. Yeah, okay, (laughs) You know what really pissed me off about this movie? <laughs> I don't, the, was it more of it? The plot convention of her dancing to distract people <laughs> pissed me off so much that I was screaming every time it started. Every time she was about to start dancing and they like focused in on her beautiful dead eyes, <laughs> I was <laughs> miserable. I was like, this fucking hell, it's happening again. If anything else could get them into these action scenes. I did not hate those over-the-top action scenes. I took them as they were. Ridiculous, but at least a little bit entertaining. But anything else was driving me insane. Like Scott Glenn and Carlo Cugino's accent? (laughs) Well, honestly, like, my big trouble with, like, Scott Glenn especially is just he's such this random wise man character that comes in, like, like fucking David Carradine out of kung fu just coming mm-hmm. like hey uh, two in the hen is worth two in the bush or whatever bullshit he says <laughs> and, <laughs> and you know that would work so much better honestly i would say if you had like carlo Cugino do this because what he's trying to do is sort of like draw these parallels between the different dimensions and it's like wouldn't it make more sense if you had somebody who wasn't just a bus driver at the end be the I sage know. what the, I, what the fuck i know <laughs> I know, it should have been Carla Cugino. Very good point. I didn't even think of that, but it definitely should have been. Does she have any sort of authority in the film, other than being Russian? <laughs> like exactly um it's and it's the same thing where like you have like these faceless villain characters that constantly fight against shouldn't Oscar Isaac have been like one of those guys or the cook or any of those other guys who were just like in one specific level it just feels so weird he should have been a, a different version of him as the main villain in every level of Oscar Isaac. It definitely should have been. Because he was, like, the worst one there. It would have made sense. But, nah. Nope. He's just Gomez. 
We would have gotten Oscar Isaac doing, like, Peter Sellers-style, like, costume changes, which would have been great. That would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have like, made the movie. Imagine Oscar Isaac as, like, a Nazi orc guy. Great. I'm so down for that. <laughs> I usually, when we watch these kind of, like, over-the-top films, like, I saw Jupiter Ascending for the first time pretty oh. recently. Okay. I've always liked who plays the villain in these types of films. Oscar Isaac almost didn't go as far as I wanted him to go. Until, like I said, until near the end. Up until then, I just was like, oh, he's skeevy. I'm not really that impressed. He could have been a little bit more insane, and I would have been a little more... Well, yeah, if you're comparative to Eddie Redmayne from Jupiter Ascending. (laughs) Eddie Redmayne. uh, Basically, every film I watch for podcasts these days is, like, bad. And then, like, the villain is actually the best part of the whole thing. Well, yeah, because he, he gets a chance to be more over the top in that. Like, my favorite bit of the whole movie is him going up to, I believe it's Jamie Chung, and he's just like, well, thank you for helping us out, but also, we hate snitches, and then he shoots her in the back. Like, that that's, was Vanessa Hudgens. Vanessa Hudgens, yes, that's right. He yeah. shot Jamie Chung earlier for that, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, it's almost like these characters run together. <laughs> yeah, right. It's exactly. almost like you can't tell women apart. But they got such cool <laughs> names, guys. <laughs> Shut up, Gina Carano. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, their names, guys. Their names are so cool. Sweet Pea and Rocket and Blondie. You get the Blondie one, it's kind of ironic because she's ethnic, but we're going to call her Blondie. I mean, this is just a fucking, just a piece of shit. It's such a shame because, like, I actually usually defend Jenna Malone a lot, but she's pulling, like, a Jenna Maroney level terrible performance in this movie. Like, particularly. Just watch Saved. (laughs) <laughs> that, yeah, watch Saved or um, she's the yeah, best part, yeah. like those Hunger Games movies. Honestly, for me, there's there's a few other things, but like she, especially the bit where she has to say where she follows up Abby Corner, she's like, "We'll be dead," and she says, "We're already dead." The worst. Yeah. <laughs> it's, cool. it's so terrible. <laughs> really, to get back on the Zack Snyder of it all, that guy works so much better when he has a guiding hand. Like honestly, he's someone like a Terrence Malick for me. I know that's blasphemy comparing those two people. They would both work so much better as cinematographers to me than directors. Because they have a distinct visual style. I just think they need more of a guiding hand to help them along. Because that's what worked about, honestly, my favorite of his movies, and Adam, I think, would agree with me, is the Dawn of the Dead remake, which was his first movie. Mm-hmm. Because he had, one, the basic tenet of like the Dawn of the Dead movie, and then also a really great reimagining script by James Gunn that guided him along and made a really fun but engrossing and modernized version of that zombie consumerism story. That worked great, and he has not been able to get near that since. So that's why I'm kind of glad his next project is like a Netflix zombie movie. I'm, I'm Yeah, yeah, well, I'm curious about that one. Yeah, I'm way more on board with that than him getting sort of failing upwards for some reason, where, like, Watchmen was not a huge hit, yet he was able to get this to go out. And you figure, oh, that, that's it, that's done for him. Then he leads the DC universe with, like, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman Justice League. And well, R.I.P. Why... <laughs> DCEU. <laughs> Except for Wonder Woman <laughs> and Aquaman. They're alive. <laughs> that, that's literally it, though. <laughs> it's just no extended universe, though, and that's fine by me. So pour one out for the DCEU. And I found out the reason he even got that was it was because when Man of Steel was coming out, that was in the middle of, like, the Schuster and what's it, the creator of Superman, like, the big lawsuit that was going on. Oh, uh, is it Siegel and Schuster? Right, yeah. and, they, and they needed to make a movie in order to, like, keep the rights of Superman, basically, mm-hmm. to do that. So they're just like, oh, fuck, Zach, you got it. <laughs> and... I, well, I'm sure that the Nolan's, like, taking a step back, even though, what, uh... They helped write and produce Man of Steel, right? Well, Christopher came up apparently with the story and was like a, a producer on Man of Steel, where basically like he came up with the story with like Goyer about like, hey, how about if Superman was less of like, what if we focus more on him being an alien and being disconnected from the world? Yeah, sure, let's do that. And then Chris said, Bye. "What if he just like snapped people's necks? That'd be cool, right? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Right, let's betray one of the major things about Superman." You know, that he never kills anybody and that he protects people. MVP, Let's have him destroy a city full of people and then kill the main bad guy. I would love if he just had, like, hey, Zach, do you have any, like, design ideas for the Superman suit? I think I had this and it's just Henry Cavill in a schoolgirl outfit for this movie. <laughs> which I'd be da- I would be way more down for, honestly. Honestly. What about the bad guys? What about their suits? Well, everybody else's armor is going to be CGI. 
<laughs> Everybody's going to be in CGI except Superman. But it's cape, full CGI. Oh, man. He loves CGI. He fucking loves CGI. It's almost as if we're not talking about this piece of shit movie Thomas <laughs> recommended. Uh, <laughs> well, recommend is a strong word. I apologize. How dare you say that to me? <laughs> uh, but I think you have a good point. Let's get into our final thoughts then on uh, Sucker Punch. Um, Sarah, do you have anything to say that's not vitriolic noises <laughs> <laughs> at this point? Can we delete it? Can we just delete the movie? <laughs> can, we get, can we sneak into the Warner Brothers databases and delete it? <laughs> just just take it down. I'm done with it. I mean, it's been out for a while. I could see how certain people would feel like this was an exciting and interesting movie that came out. An interesting mess. I just, coming into it now, watching it this year for the first time, it just feels really gross to me, and I, I don't want to ever see it again. Don't make cheery... me watch it again, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you're on, no matter what the topic, it'll just be sucker punch. <laughs> uh, Adam, it's just this is just a bad movie, man. It, it's it's the parts that are exciting are exciting for a flash, and then you kind of like, oh yeah, wait, this is still giving off a very sort of gross vibe. It's just a it's a gross movie, dude. I I just, I just don't I I don't. No, not for me. Not, it just, like I said, the movie should have opened, maybe opened with her getting the lobotomy to Sweet Dreams are made of this. Like, just opened with that, then end credits. You know, <laughs> that would have been fine, like a short. Uh, it's just, I, ugh, I'm just grossed out by it. Yeah, I, I uh, echo those grossed out thoughts, despite me picking this movie. It was because we have a good and bad gimmick with our show. And I thought this perfectly illustrated all the problems with, like, what a sort of, especially, like, a, a male director thinks a female led action movie should be. Because it's like, oh, man, you know, women are, like, constantly screwed over all the time. I'm going to make my movie about how they fight back against the system. And it's like, well, except you made, like, a really, like, exploitive and fetishistic and worst of all, just boring fucking movie about that concept, that aside from some uh, people trying, like I'd say, Carla Gugino or Oscar Isaac, having a few flashes of interest, um, it just feels like such a skeevy sort of, like Adam mentioned, masturbatory fantasy. It feels like this was etched in Zack Snyder's notebooks when he was like 14, and he just kind of adapted, that's the story of the movie, based on a story by Zack Snyder. It's those fucking drawings that he did in his goddamn etchings. <laughs> it's it's so ridiculous. And it, especially illustrated by, if you ever watched the extended cut, there's a whole scene that was supposed to climactically end the movie involving John Hamm basically giving uh, Emily Browning the illusion that she is choosing to have sex with him. Oh! That, yeah. That was... Oh, that would have added so much more depth and just really redeemed the whole thing. Exactly. So if you thought this was bad, it was almost slightly even Way worse. worse. <laughs> God. Oh. So sucker punch. Fun sucker <laughs> punch to me right in the face. Oh. God. Yeah. What's wrong with Zack Snyder? We don't know. We're still not sure. Um, but that is the end of our discussion of our double feature for the evening. Um, we will be picking our two movies at the end of the episode. Um, but first, we have some things to go through uh, for closing out. We have uh, feedback to read. We got a lot of feedback about where we asked all of you via the Facebook page and the Twitter page, which is at DEDBpod, about your favorite uh, and least favorite female-led action films. Um, and uh, we're going to go ahead and start at the top with uh, some, I believe... Sarah knows quite well, uh, a former guest of ours, Shaquille Lambert. I don't know that guy. <laughs> Never heard of him. Uh, has this to say, uh, best, I mean, Furiosa's maybe one of the greatest action heroines since Sarah Connor. Uh, also, Hannah's one of the most underrated action films of this decade. Uh, worst, Mila Jovovich is an okay actress, but a solid action star hampered by being in some terrible shit. But Ultraviolet might be the worst of the worst. Um, I'm going to read through our feedback here, and we'll comment at the end of it uh, for the rest of the stuff here. Uh, Brian Kane says, Furiosa sort of reset the gold standard. She's uh, hard to top. Um, also worth mentioning, uh, Alita Battle Angel, which uh, barely tapped the surface of the sadistic, bloodthirsty shenanigans that the character will get into in the books. Um, and the worst recent example, I think, is Lucy. Uh, James Rodriguez says, 
Best, uh, be it uh, through espionage or breathlessly battling through a building, uh, Lorraine Broughton is a fantastic heroine, especially portrayed by Charlize Theron in Atomic Blonde. Elizabeth Salander is also a brilliant pop culture icon, preferably when she's not being reworked as a Bond-style figure. Worst, uh, what the fuck was Salt? I just remember it existed and can only recall that the role was originally intended for Tom Cruise. But to be honest, the more I remember about the divergent YA archetype, that is, looks at Wikipedia, Triz Pryor. Um, Will Torres says, I mean, I would count Ellen Ripley as the best. Worst, um, I guess Kristen Stewart in the Snow White and the Huntsman bullshit. Once she was in armor, holding up a sword, I was like, fantasy does not literally mean total and complete bullshit. Um, Oliver Sloan says, uh, bought Sucker Punch on Blu-ray. I believe it's seriously misunderstood. Uh, the fantasy action scenes are incredible. Uh, Luke McBride echoes that with uh, Sucker Punch, definitely. Not terribly good in any event, uh, but I still love it. Uh, Optimus Prime 99 on Twitter says DC's best badass leading ladies are Wonder Woman and Catwoman. And then Stephen D says uh, good Charlie Theron and Atomic Blonde for the sterile fight alone. A uh, large chunk of cast of Black Panther um, leads from 70s Shaw Brothers films. Bad. I'm going to say Sarah Michelle Gellar in Buffy because if she were actually to throw a punch uh, she'd probably break her damn thumb. Which I wanted to say I think that's true of pretty much anybody who stars in these movies though. <laughs> Because they're yeah. not stunt people who actually fight. So right, I think that's a I bit agree. unfair. Um, but any of those uh, strike anybody's fancy? Do you think he means Halle Berry's Catwoman? I fucking hope not. No, like, he that's actually, what I was thinking. He, he posted a picture and it was Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman. Okay. All okay, right. fair enough. I'll give him that one. Cool. Can we have like a action sure. hero that's not the villain? Yeah, she's more of a, like a anti-hero, really. Yeah, still. <laughs> I just seem like a lead character, hero. Wonder Woman obviously meets those requirements. I haven't seen Atomic Blonde yet. I keep meaning to, but I don't need, Is it even worth it? I, I like sexual lighting. That's true. And uh, Shirley Sarah. <laughs> and he mentioned the stairway fight scene. It's from one of the two directors of John Wick. Um, it's mm-hmm. the one who didn't go on to do like Deadpool 2. Or no, it is the one who did Deadpool 2. Right, yeah. And some of the other Lee ones. Yeah. David Leach. Yeah, yeah uh, I think like that stairway fight alone is worth watching. Um, and also it's got uh, James McAvoy hamming it up. So that's also fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah but and then obviously, like everyone mentioned it, but yeah, Furiosa and Fury Road for sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I agree. What I like about that is how. Fury Road is like the Johnny Bravo of <laughs> Johnny Bravo. I meant to say um, Johnny Guitar. You know, do you ever see Johnny Guitar? I don't okay. believe I have. I'm not familiar so, with it. It's a Western film um, where uh, it, you think it's about a, a man who plays guitar, but it actually the main character is a female, uh, like owner of a bar, and it's amazing. And it's just a switch around. Like it, the literally, the title of the movie is about the man, but the whole movie is about women. Okay, yeah. I gotta, I gotta check this one out. That sounds cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, and some people like have this issue with. Like, I saw this stupid comment all the time when Fury Road came out. Like, oh, it's oh, for something called Mad Max. She's sort of like a side character. That's kind of the point from like um, Road Warrior on with those movies is that he kind of like comes into a story that's already got like sort of main characters. Huh. And he just sort of mixes things up. And I like the fact that he kind of, he does that with Furiosa. That it's just more of like, a, hey, I'll help you out with this. But this is obviously your fight. And I'm just going to help you out. And that's what makes, like, one of my favorite shots in recent movie history is her and all the other survivors, like, rising up um, at the end of that. And then he just looks up and, like, nods and then disappears to the crowd. I love that yeah. so much. I, I agree. Uh, that's my, one of my favorite parts about the Bad Max movies in general is that the world is going on no matter what. He's just passing through all the time. Yes. Total man with no name thing, yeah. Yep, 100%. But that's an ensemble. No, I agree. Right. I think more more or less what it seems to be happening here with with most of the feedback is people just naming who they think are strong female action characters. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like they're really going uh, on the film alone like yeah i wouldn't count ripley as i mean maybe in the later movies but she was definitely more of an ensemble character yeah it's it's no problem like i'm not blaming them in the end there's just not that many to pick from Mm -hmm. i agree that's very that was one of the major problems with the picking on this one for me um, and uh, Stephen D also had this to mention in terms of this is some feedback just from our other recent episodes. In reference to our last episode, um, he said, honestly, I 
can't tell if Demon Knight is underrated or just plain unseen. Um, it definitely has peak Billy Zane, though. Yes, we definitely agreed with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Sarah, the, you said you listened to the last episode. Have you seen Demon Knight? Oh, no, I haven't seen either of the films you talked about in that episode. Oh, Demon Knight's so good. <clears throat> I do like Billy Zane a lot, by the way. Oh, it, it, then you gotta see this movie. It's peak Zane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we watched um, one of the Scorpion Kings, and uh, he was fantastic in it. I mean, if we're talking about over-the-top villains that I loved, he yeah. did amazing. It was, that it was, was the best. so funny. <laughs> Him and uh, Rod Perlman was his brother. Uh, was so oh, good. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, imagine Billy Zane as, like, evil Aladdin genie. Yeah, that's what I imagined him as already, so... <laughs> <laughs> that's just him the, this movie yeah. was made for you in 1995 for sure yep. um, and then uh, Mallory Somerville um, at Rosemary's Bay on Twitter um, responded to our episode about Moonlight and Dragon Mistazy about um, y'all did such a beautiful tribute to Moonlight on the show even though I've seen it a few times it made me want to watch it again immediately uh, we appreciate that I'm really proud of how that episode turned out especially how uh, relevant it was come the Oscars this oh, year what the fuck I was literally, <laughs> dude, I knew, because I, I watched it, I'm like, all right. As soon as they announced Best Picture winner, I literally swear I heard you and Jonathan both go, oh, what the fuck? Like, at the same time. I would have been throttling someone if Bohemian Rhapsody won. <laughs> Green- yeah, no, I was definitely hoping that wasn't going to, but I, I definitely didn't want Green Book to win either. Green Book was just more of like, yeah, I expected this, honestly, <laughs> to a yeah. certain I degree. didn't watch the Oscars, I skipped. Yeah. No. I don't like any of the mo- these movies that are probably going to win. Honestly, Eighth Grade was my favorite film of last year, so I was kind of out as soon as they weren't really not as soon as it wasn't really nominated. So I was like, okay, cool, good talk. Is that the one, uh, Bo, um... Bo Burnham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to see that one too. Yeah. 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 Great movie. Um, but yeah. Uh, so kudos to Marshala Ali, and no real kudos to anything else about Green Book though, because fuck that movie. <laughs> Yeah. In general. We want to, of course, thank all of you out there uh, who've provided that feedback for us. Uh, we also want to thank some other people. We want to thank Chris Oliver for the intro and outro music on the show. Uh, listen to more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Uh, thanks to Emily Scarda for the art that's used on her show. She accepts commissions at fiverwith2rs.com slash eescarda. And, of course, we want to thank Sarah Sorrentino, our guest for the evening. Uh, Sarah, plug yourself. I know you don't usually plug on your shows, but if you can, plug yourself here. Okay, I'm plugging. You ready? So, I am associate editor at Talk Film Society. uh, as a website where we publish reviews and articles and a ton of podcasts. There's a whole podcast network, so you can always follow Talk Film Society on any of your podcast listening options. Um, I have two podcasts. Why? Because I hate myself. Um, The first is We Forgive You which is at We Forgive You Pod, um, where we forgive the worst films from your favorite directors and your favorite franchises. And also I have sequels with two E's, S-E-E. And that's where I watch um, direct-to-video sequels with Shaq and Ali. And uh, it's been pretty fun <laughs> laughing yeah, at those. it's a great show. Yeah, it's Thank a great you. Show. Mm. Yeah, they're both really fun shows. That's it. I, sh- I, I have to stop making podcasts. <laughs> I'm guesting on more podcasts, so I stop making more of my own podcasts. Well, this was actually intervention because you have a problem, Sarah. I really do have a problem. <laughs> I came up with another one like last week, and I, I cut it off. I was like, no. <laughs> You're hurting the people around you by doing this. <laughs> My cat's just meowing in the background, like, please come back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you can also follow us on uh, Twitter and Facebook, as I mentioned, at DEDBpod. We also have an email where you can email feedback, doubleedgedoublebill at gmail.com. You can also follow me and my own individual account at NotTheWho'sTommy. And I also do writing at MarianiThomas.wordpress.com, where I'll do film reviews and other things like that. And uh, Adam, I believe, is uh, trained to be a badass in his own right somewhere in the distance. Dunkin' Donuts, baby. The most badass place of all. Mm -hmm. Um, And also make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes or any of the various other podcast streaming platforms, like Sarah kind of mentioned, like a Stitcher 
or um, uh, Spotify or YouTube. We also have a YouTube channel, any of those places. And rate and review us there so you can uh, give the show more visibility because we are unseen. Please give us more visibility. <laughs> you too can help a starving Adam who wants I attention. for the cup of coffee. <laughs> you can help us for sure um, but you know who's going to help us right now is Sarah before we get out of here because we are doing our picking for next week um, in honor of Captive State coming out we decided to do dystopian future films um, and I have the two good movies that I've assigned two numbers to between one and ten and Adam's done the same thing for two bad movies that fit that dystopian future aesthetic though we don't know what the others picked and usually each of us would pick a number between one and ten in order to seal the fates for next week but uh, when we have a guest like Sarah here she picks a number between one and ten for the two choices so for my two good ones Sarah number between one and ten six point nine nice <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, a funny at number seven, so you were very close to wow. it. Um, is a dystopian future movie uh, that's honestly one of my favorite films of all time, and I'm really excited that we get to talk about it. It's uh, Terry Gilliam's Brazil from 1985. Oh boy! All right. Oh, <laughs> great conflict. Been a long time. Been a long time, and I don't remember it positively. So. Fair. We You're welcome. <laughs> and what was your other one, Thomas? Uh, my number two choice was... It was also another Terry Gilliam film, but uh, one that's a bit more popular. Um, it's the 1995's uh, Twelve Monkeys. I like that one a bit better, as I remember. That's a good choice. You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and now for Adam's two bad choices, Sarah. Oh, I don't have a funny one now. I wish I had thought ahead of time. I can only think of making a 69 show. <laughs> Two. At number three, I have the return to the Corman Empire uh, of the franchise with Death Race 2050. Oh, okay. I haven't even seen the original Death or any Death oh, Race. Oh, Thomas. I just, <laughs> you just got fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I did give you Sucker Punch, so I guess it's yeah, only fair. Yeah. I, guess. This, this is, I think this might be Santa's sleigh level. Oh. Uh, yeah. God, no. uh, <laughs> my other choice was Escape from L.A. That's what I have seen, and I do hate that movie a lot. That's really funny. I'm going to have to watch Escape from L.A. soon. I'm a little scared. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. I've never mm. seen Escape from New York. Oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, you could make yourself more disappointed and watch Escape from New York and lead into that, because that's... That's what I'm going to have to do. And then just watch Lockout with Guy Pierce because it's basically the third one. Literally, they got sued for ripping off Carpenter for, <laughs> for that, and they and they lost. They literally lost to that, <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, but thank you, Sarah, for coming on and uh, having a bit of fun with us. Thanks for uh, shooting the gun like the badass that you are and picking those choices. Pew, 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 pew. That's what it sounds like. Uh, No, it's bang, bang, bang. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, uh, let's go ahead and uh, pew pew out of here, Adam. Long live the tooch. Long live the tooch. Good night. (laughs)